In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are just so many names. As we began the service, we heard the names of those who have died in the past year, people beloved by members of this congregation. There are over 150 of them, which is about how many there are every year. Some were famous, though most live on across generations because they loved and were loved by someone here. But that's hardly the end of it. Every one of our stained glass windows gives us a portrait of someone whose name we know from the Bible. We have the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament over here, and on this side, figures from the New Testament, and we have figures from history. So we have the prophet Isaiah in stained glass, as well as George Washington. We have Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Then there are plaques with names of people who are important in the life of this parish. We have the Raridos, that big carved screen up behind the altar. It has carvings of Saints Peter and Paul, James and Andrew, and lots more. And here, around the pulpit, and on the wood leading up to the pulpit and the lectern, are carvings, some of preachers, some of theologians, of King David, and again, some prophets. And then, of course, there's the columbarium back over there. There, carved in marble, are the names of those members and friends of St. James whose remains are there and whose names, when we see them, remind us of their life here. If you are ever feeling lonely, I would suggest you walk into this church. There are lots and lots of folks to greet you here. But with all those names, those names of people who are no longer with us and are now lifted up to God, but with all those names, consider also how many are here in the room right now, all of you with your names, everyone up here with theirs, and for children and a teen about to be baptized, Constantine Henry, Harry rather, Lucian Casimir James, Calvin Stevens, and William Wright. We are all here with our own names. We and this building and all the names wonderfully illustrate the communion of saints. The church as it has been from the beginning with Mary and Joseph and Jesus and those first disciples. The church as it will be, as more children like those being baptized today enter into the Christian life. The church with all of us here as it is right now. All saints, not because we are perfect, even the people we think of as saints with a capital S, like James or Peter or Mary Magdalene, Teresa of Avila or Jonathan Daniels, they weren't perfect, and they would tell you that. But saints, every one of them and every one of us, because we each and all 
bear the image of God, the face of Christ. God made us that way. The work of the church is to do all that we can together to make Christ more and more visible in one another and more and more visible in and for the sake of the world. But the fact is, we alone aren't going to be able to do it as we sit here, even surrounded by all these saints. We all need Jesus to make that transformation possible. Jesus helped us begin that process the moment he was born into the world, born just like each of us. It continued on with his teaching. Today, we get one of his most important and also one of his most difficult teachings. We tend to know it in shorthand as the Beatitudes because he speaks to us of blessings. But in this version, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus also warns us about all the things that can get in the way of our transformation. Those are the woes. Neither the blessings or the woes line up with the way we know the world works. That was true in Jesus' day, it's true in ours. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, Blessed are the persecuted, surely that can't be right. Woe to those who are rich, woe to those whom everyone likes and admires, woe to those who know happiness and ease, surely that can't be right. I expect both the poor and the rich took issue with Jesus. When I imagine the scene of Jesus doing this teaching, I always imagine there are lots of muttering going on in the crowd at his feet. But he meant it. Which means for those of us who are not poor, and by the world's standards, none of us are poor. For those of us who are not poor or successful and well-regarded, we need to pay some extra attention. Jesus is saying, whether we like it or not, that the poor and the persecuted and the mournful actually live closer to the heart of God. Does that mean the poor are better people? No, it does not. Does it mean the rich are terrible just because they're rich? No, it does not. But God yearns for all of us to have whole lives. And we are rich are more often insulated from that yearning. God hopes that we will realize he is the source of hope and of joy that can last for all eternity. The poor and the grieving yearn for that whole life in the midst of their lives now, yearn just as God does. Whereas sometimes wealth and comfort lead us to settle for the material, for the praise of our peers, rather than expect or long for anything more. It may prevent us from seeing that there is more, can be more, that there is always more. So all of us need to take stock. 
All of us need to draw closer to the heart of God. But of course, we can't do that alone. And as I said, we need Jesus. Even if, and more likely when, Jesus makes us uncomfortable. But whether he's making us uncomfortable or not, Jesus is there for us, for all of us, for each of us. We're told that whenever two or three gather in his name, he will be there with us. If we listen with intention, we can hear the voice of God and the murmurings of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, Old and New Testament both. And above all else, Jesus meets us at the table, at communion. When Jesus first shared this meal with his disciples, he told them that the bread was his body and the wine was his blood. It confused them. It may confuse us. But Jesus asked them and us to continue to share this meal this bread and this wine, his body and blood, until at the last day, we all meet together with him and the vast communion of saints in the kingdom of God. So we do, we keep having this meal. And whenever we drink this wine and eat this bread, Jesus joins himself to us, enters into us, feeds us with himself. Next week, as many of you know, is Consecration Sunday. More on that from one of our parishioners in just a bit. On Consecration Sunday, we are all asked, both the kids and the adults, to make a financial commitment to actually consider what percentage of our income, or perhaps for our kids, their allowance, God is calling us to give to support the life of Christ as we seek to live it out at St. James next week. It's not only, but it's primarily about the financial commitment, but the gift and the challenge of this week, this All Saints Sunday, is to remind us that God actually asks us for our whole selves, for our hearts and minds, our bodies and souls, what we do with our money and what we do with our time, what we do in our work and what we do in our families. God truly wants all of us and saints, including the people who are saints in our personal lives, having shared love with you, perhaps sacrificed something significant for you, the saints, big and small, can teach us what it means to give ourselves over to God. We won't do it perfectly. We don't need to. Perfection belongs to God. But together, we can show forth God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Together, we can let Jesus' love shine through us. And together, we can light the world with his grace. So now it's time to welcome the newest members of the household of God and the company of the saints to come forward and join us in that holy and unending work. Amen. <laughs>